Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 8 verses 1 through 11. It says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the very act now Moses in the law talking about Leviticus chapter 20 verse 10 commands us that such should be stoned but what do you say they said this testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him but Jesus stooped down everybody say stoop down Jesus stooped down or he bent down and he wrote on the ground with his finger so he was the original creative he was already drawing and he stooped down and he began to write with his finger as though he did not hear so when they continued asking him he raised himself up and he said to them he who is without sin among you let him throw the first stone at her and again he stooped down and wrote on the ground then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one beginning with the oldest even to the last and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you from this familiar passage and from this topic or subject, if you're taking notes, red-handed, red-handed handed come on would you pray with me oh god we thank you for this opportunity that we have to come before you now lord we've done the preparation we've had fun we've met as a team we've set this thing up and father we pray lord now that you would do what only you can do i pray that as the gospel goes forth lord which is the power to save that it would be your spirit that would draw men unto yourself lord we pray that you would get the glory john 3 30 let us decrease father let it not be a a well put together message Let it not be incredibly anointed keyboard playing, but I pray, Father, that it would be your spirit that brings about the transformation, Lord. Do the work that only you can do, Jesus. We love you. And Father, we lift up right now. We understand and we know, Lord God, in our hearts that your team is the Miami Marlins. But Father, we pray right now for the Braves, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would anoint them, help them, give them the victory now in Jesus' name, that they would bring back the chip, that people would be happy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, would you make some noise for Jesus all over this place? Come on, greater church. Would you put your hands together and make some noise for Jesus? Amen. Red handed. I've been very upfront and I've uh, I've spoken about my childhood issues when I was a kid. And I've been very candid and open book to some of you, uh, to the entire church. I've preached enough that you know my story. You can preach my story yourself. But uh, I have a question. Let's be honest. Have you ever been caught red handed? I know, I know, all two and a half of y'all, the rest of y'all are lying in church. Lord, don't strike them down, I pray. Yo, I remember that as a kid, I hated school. School was probably one of the worst things that I hated going to school. And of all the high schoolers, they're downstairs. 
yo, I hated school. You know you hated school too. Don't look at me with that weird face. You know you hated it. You hated getting up in the morning. You, your school, you had to be in class by 7.45. You know that you got up at 7.40. You barely threw a little Colgate in your mouth and ran to the bus. Or you ran to the school. You know you were late. You know that you did this one thing. In Miami, we called it skipping. They call it playing hooky. Missing school. Whatever it is that you call it. On this particular day, I want to tell you a story. I decided that I was going to skip school. And I remember I went to the portables because that's where everybody went to go smoke weed. So I went to the portables. And when I went to the portables, yo, I hit the gate and I just ran. So the security guards, I know, they know me by name, bro. They know my face. But I decided, you know what? They're not going to catch me and I'm gone. <laughs> so what do you do when you're skipping school? You can't go home. So what do you do? You go to the mall. Broke with no money. No lunch money. You don't have anything in your pockets, but you don't want to go to school. So I'd rather starve then go to school. At the end of the day, I decide, yo, it's time to go to the house. You know, I'm trying to play it smart so that my mom wouldn't know what's happening. So I, I knew the game because see, my mom, my mom is about, you know, at that point she was in her early 40s and she was Cuban. I mean, Cuban as Cuban can be. The type of Cuban that right now she's in her 70s and she still doesn't speak English. I um, mean, she's been in this country for about 45 years, but my mom doesn't know a lick of English. So I knew it, that I knew that when I walked into the house, all I had to look for this is crazy. It's going to blow some of y'all minds. Some of y'all Gen Z, bruh. This is going to blow your mind. But we used to have these things. It was called tapes. They had two little circles. It was crazy. It was like a little line. If it broke, you put like nail polish on it and you fixed it. But we used to have this little thing called, it was a, a, a recording answering machine, not a voicemail. We didn't have cell phones. This was before the Google. And I remember that if I walked in the house, if I saw it blinking, I knew what time it was. All I got to go with it and just hit delete. Bam. But on this specific day, when I walked up and I looked at the recording machine, it wasn't blinking. So I was like, oh, the school didn't call. You remember that? School would call. Hey, your son wasn't in school today. My mom would say, do you know English? And she would give me the phone. And I'd be like, oh, yes, totally. And then she asked me, what was it? She said, I need $3 because they're doing a special thing tomorrow. I just need you to give me $3. I would lie in Jesus' name. I didn't know the Lord. Don't judge me. Yo, on this specific day, I walk into the house. And yo, I remember that when I walk in, my mom is in the kitchen. And my mom is like, weirdly, she's like excited to see me. And I say, hey, Mima, how are you? Obviously in Spanish, walk through the door. She's doing food and she just looked, oh, how was school? Our school was amazing. I had fun. She said, what did you learn? I said, I learned fractions. It's the stupidest thing in the world. It's like two, four. Just make it one, two, bro. You don't have to do all of this. Decimals. Why do you have to move it so much, bro? We don't do that. Just give me money and I give you the money that you owed. What did you eat today? It was a Tuesday and I panicked. I said, we ate the little square pizza with the corn and the orange juice. That's a lie. They only give pizza on Fridays, but I was nervous. I didn't know what to say. So I said, pizza, we ate pizza. So slowly as she's talking to me and she's asking me all these questions, Rico, she's like slowly walking up to me and I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, Mima, I get it. Like, you know what I'm saying? And she, you, so, so you enjoyed your class today. Awesome. Did you see your friends? Yeah, I, I saw all my friends. I'm confused now because the recording machine doesn't have a blinking light. So I think that I'm good. Pause the story for just a second. I was born before the Google. But what I want you to understand, and I want to give you a disclaimer, is that my generation, my mom didn't take my cell phone away from me. Like, she didn't say, hey, you can't be on MySpace today. Oh, my God. We didn't come from a timeout generation. We came from a knockout generation. So I just wanted to throw that disclaimer out. 
back into the story. My mom is close to me now. My mom, at this point, she was very healthy. You know what I mean? Like, she she knew how to cook and she knew how to... You know how when you cook and you eat everything that you cook? So my mom was healthy. She was, you know, she had a lot of... You know, she was squishy. She, she had a lot. But with that being said, me, I used to have muscle in all these different type of places. Now I got muscle in one area. I'm starting to turn to my mom. But I was like, now, but I was, I was agile at the time and she knew it. So she might not have been agile, but she was smart. And yo, so my mom gets about this close to me and she's, and I'm thinking everything is gravy. You know, I've answered all the questions correctly. I passed this interview, Kevin, like I'm good. You know what I mean? And in one stroke of National Geographics, yo, this chubby woman put her leg in between my leg and grabbed me and put me in what seemed like some type of like tarantula hold where I'm sitting there and I'm like, yo, what is going on right now? And at that point, it's like, you know, those movies where it shows you and it's like, yes, that's me. I know you're wondering what happened. Let me tell you the story. Yo, and I'm held in this grasp of this Cuban refugee lady and she's holding me and I'm like, Mima, what's up? And at this point, I knew I screwed up. Here's what happens, though. Being from a knockout generation, I know that you guys who are American, y'all had it a little bit different than us Hispanic people. Because, see, Hispanic people, Caribbean people, our parents hit us on syllable. <laughs> the only difference between Spanish and English is that there's a lot of syllables. In Sp I don't know why they do that. It's one word, bro. Why you have 14 different syllables for one freaking word? So this is what happens. My mom used to hit me on syllables. So here it is, easy. So you were in school. Yo, I could take that like a champ. Five? I'll cry. I'll fake cry. You know you fake cried. Keisha, you know you fake cried. You fake cried a mom. You know you fake cried. Oh my God. And when she leaves you like, that didn't even hurt. <laughs> and yo, but what happens is that five syllables in Spanish is not the same thing. So instead of, so you were in school, in Spanish, it was, Entonces tú estabas en la escuela. And at this point, I'm just, ah, Jesus, I'm just hurting. It wasn't no fake cry. It was real cry because she was whooping my butt. And she had me in this weird tarantula hole. How many would probably concur to the fact that I was caught red-handed? This is exactly where we pick up this story. So it wasn't a Cuban old lady that was whooping on a young child. This was a woman that at this time was in the act of adultery, meaning that whether she was married or he was married, they weren't married to each other. And these religious, religious leaders, I don't know in how they found them, but they have found these people in the marriage bed, though they weren't married, meaning that it was adultery. And because it was adultery, the law of Moses in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10 says that if a man or a woman is caught in the act of the adultery, that both of them should be taken outside of the camp, that you should pick up stones and that you should kill them. They took an opportunity at that moment and it was a setup. What they did was that they brought this woman to Jesus and they were trying to accuse him. For just a second, I want to pause there because I want to strip their intentions for just a moment. This woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, this woman who was caught red-handed, has been brought to the feet of Jesus. Broken, hurting, probably thinking, I'm going to die filled with shame, guilt. I don't know how much or what she was thinking at that moment, but at that very moment, she was caught red-handed and she is brought to Jesus. Yo, if you strip the intention of these Pharisees and these religious leaders, I think it's a 
pure example of what my life and your life should look like. It should look like people who are broken, hurting, and lost, that we wouldn't jump on Facebook and talk about how bad and how stupid they are, that we wouldn't even try to fix them on our own. Hey, let's read this book together. Hey, why don't you do this? Let's do these little therapies classes. Why don't we jog a little bit? Listen, the only thing that we can do is that we can bring them to Jesus. You're trying to change your husband? Bring them to Jesus. You're trying to change your wife because she's crazy? Bring her to Jesus. You're trying to change your kids? Bring them to Jesus. That's why I'm so impressed and I'm so grateful to Greater Church because on a day like today, plus one Sunday, we've been talking about for weeks. We've been praying for you. We've been loving on you. We've been talking to you. We've been calling you. We've been hounding you, texting you. Come to church. I promise you. The black Cuban, he's going to talk to you. He's going to be, it's going to be great. Thank you for coming. I love you. Pause for a second. To every single person that invited somebody here today, to every single person that texted, that emailed, that went out of your way, I wanted to say thank you because you are doing the work of the kingdom. Come on, would you put your hands together for everybody who invited somebody today? Even if you're watching online, we're grateful for you. We're excited that you would come and that you would hang with us today because if you strip the intentions, this is what it needs to look like. That we're bringing the broken, the hurting, the lost, and we're bringing them to Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is standing there. He's teaching a class. And when he's teaching a class, all of a sudden they're introducing this woman comes and they begin to tell him, hey, Jesus, according to the law of Moses, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. She needs to be killed. What do you say? And he does something that blows my mind. The Bible says, and I can only imagine what this woman was feeling. Yo, think about it. Like, I got caught in the act of adultery. I'm a Jew. I understand what's happening right here. I understand that I'm going to die. I, I knew the risk. I took the risk. And I know that right now I'm going to be taken outside of the camp and I'm going to die. Not only am I going to die, but they brought me to their leader. She didn't know what was going on. She didn't know there was a trap or a trick. So she's brought to Jesus. Jesus looks just like the religious leaders. He himself was a rabbi. He himself was studied. Here it is that they bring her to Jesus and she's thinking to herself, yo, I'm done for I'm just waiting for him to give the green light and they're going to take me out and they're going to kill me. And the Bible says that in that moment that Jesus, the Bible says he, he stoops down. In some versions, it says that he bent down. And what happens is that in this posture, I feel like I've been here a lot of times. Greater church, we're a very transparent church. Um, we, we don't want to act like we got it all figured out and we got it all perfect here. Because if you do find a perfect church, I'm going to give you one advice, run and run fast. I've been in these moments where I felt like, yo, my life was broken, hurting, red-handed, however you want to put it, however you want to fill in the blanks. Yo, in moments that I felt like, Jesus, I need you to come through right now. Like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm in a really bad spot. And I've come to Jesus. I did the whole deal. I, I brought it to Jesus. And I felt like in moments in my mind, as if Jesus completely just ignored me, as if he just bent down. The Bible says that, and, and it looked as if he ignored her. And he just bent down in my situation. And I'm like, yo, Jesus, I'm fasting. I'm praying, Lord, what's going on? I need help here. <laughs> yo, are you there? Like, are you even, do you, do you even care? And I know you guys are perfect. You got your teeth straight in your mouth. You've never been there. You've never questioned. Praise the Lord. But I have. When I read this scripture, I saw an illustration and a picture of something that brought me so much hope. And I hope that it will bring you hope because what would seem as if he's ignoring you is actually something that's done out of love because here's what's happening. In this moment, 
when we come and we bring our petitions to God. We're bringing our things to God that are in the physical. And we're saying, God, I want you to fix my financial problem. I want you to fix my health problem. I want you to fix my, my financial. I want you to fix my mental problem. I want you to fix these things. And we're always talking to God in the physical, hoping that he speaks into the physical and changes it all around. But God is not a physical being. He doesn't have ears. He doesn't have a nose. You know that God doesn't have a voice. These things, we assimilate them. We put them in our own context so that we can understand who God is. God is a spirit. The very same spirit in Genesis chapter 1 that says that he hovered over the waters in the dark and the void and the darkness. And he hovered over the waters. And then he spoke out of his mouth or out of his spirit. Words came out and it began to create the heavens and the earth. Now you start to see the sky and the sun and the moon and the stars and the fish in Genesis chapter 1 you see how a spiritual being speaks and all of a sudden all of these things come out in the physical and I believe that that's the very same thing that happens in my life and in your life when we feel as if God's not listening to us is that God is not going to speak to your temporary he's going to speak to the eternal he's not about words he's about action and when God begins to speak things start happening in your life don't you think he's not working don't you're thinking to yourself yo are you ignoring me it's funny that if I asked and I passed the microphone around so many of you would be able to grab the mic and said Chino I was in that spot and I don't know how my aunt brought a grocery bag to my house not knowing that I needed groceries I can't begin to tell you how I was at a gas station and somebody said yo can I pay for your gas I can't tell you how I thought that my boss letting me go was gonna break my family but all of a sudden there was another job that was waiting for me and it seemed as if God knew it because he's a spirit he begins to move in those moments and when he's bent down and stooping low it's actually a picture of the gospel how is that a picture of the gospel is that not the gospel that you got a God that would step out of eternity that he would step into time that he would clothe himself in flesh that he would live a sinless life and that he would meet you exactly where you are. At rock bottom in your addiction, at rock bottom in your brokenness, at rock bottom where you didn't know how you were going to get out of this. It was Jesus that came down there. And I know he probably saved you standing up. But for me, he had to get way down low to be able to pick me up from the mire and the clay and the dirt and the sin in which I was completely inundated. Jesus had to get a lot lower with me than he probably did with you. But the picture of him stooping down, that's a picture of the gospel that he would leave all these he was lit he would leave all this perfection and he would find himself in hard broken state and that the action was so much louder than the words the bible says that the religious leaders they begin to say jesus hey you know all that weird stuff that you'd be saying to try to get somebody's attention <laughs> wives are the worst they do that junk at the at walmart husbands too that was Sochi. Jesus, hey, what you think, buddy? Okay, you okay there? I see you drawing. You're a regular old Picasso. Picasso wasn't born, but it's my story. I don't care. I see you drawing. And I can imagine this lady just standing there like, yo, what is happening right now? Super confused. Scared, but confused. I've been there. And, yo, the Bible says that Jesus stands up and at that very moment that he takes the very same ruler that they were using and he gives, them to the, he gives it back to them. Watch what he does. He turns to them and he says, hey, I, hey, Jesus, don't you know that this woman caught an act of adultery? Law of Moses, you should kill her. What do you think? Jesus stoops down and then he gets up in the situation and he turns to them and he says to them, he who is without sin, throw the first stone. I mean, simple words. And then the Bible says that he goes back 
and he stoops down again. Anybody here, you you like like the fair, like you like rides, like roller coaster. Raise your hand if you like roller coaster. I can't stand y'all. I can't stand it. Here's the thing. I used to like roller coasters, but then I got older and I got smarter and I decided I didn't want to die. So I don't like roller coasters. There's a special group here. You're near and dear to my heart. How many of y'all, you just go to the fair just to eat? You know what I'm talking about? Funnel cakes, turkey. Come on, somebody. I'm about to just close this service out so we could go eat right now in Jesus' name. Like, you just go to the fair to have fun. You know what I mean? Like, you, I want to just eat. I want to watch you be scared and fly off the, oh, my God, look at them. <laughs> I just want to see you. <laughs> my sons, uh, they're, they're a little bit older now, but there was a time when they couldn't get on the rides. You, you know how we, when you go to a ride, there's like this little, like a clown that's like holding a hand up or maybe it's a little red line and like you, you walk up to it and it would break my kid's heart because they would walk up to it and it's like, yo, you can't. And the person there, usually like a 16 year old that if I had $10 in my pocket, he'll let them in regardless of how little it is. I just give you the $10. But, but the line would be there and my son would go and he would be heartbroken. So in that moment, being heartbroken, what do I do as a father? I love my kids. I want to take care of them. Their safety is up my utmost important. I don't want you to get on this ride and like you're too small. The seatbelt doesn't work. You fly out of the ride. Like something, a cat- catastrophe can happen. Like I don't want nothing like that to happen. So if they're too small to ride the ride, what do I do as a good parent? I put them on my side and I sneak them on. I'm like, come on, come on, just shut up. Don't say nothing. And I get them up to the front. And then we had a system on the way that we would do it because when they would come to click you up, I would tell them, you just need to stand up. We put napkins on their feet before. Stop judging me, man. You know you've done that. Maybe not, but I don't care. And, my, and, and they, would, they would sit there and they would try to like go up and the people would like put their, their, their thing down and look at them like, are you? I, I'm like, he's good. It's his birthday. I lied. It's not his birthday. That's a lie. I said, it's his birthday. And clink, they'll put him on there and he'll ride out and he'll do it. And then, you know, he got to the point where he got a little bit taller. And when he got a little bit taller, it's like he was showing off. Like he would walk up to the line and be like, hey, I'm, the line's at my chin, buddy. Can I go on? Remember you told me I couldn't? <laughs> Look, I'm tall enough now. What's crazy is that Christianity, we've relegated it to that little line. And we found ourselves in a space where we have to measure up to be able to get into the kingdom of God. We found ourselves in a place that we, for us to be Christians or for us to get saved, because there's a difference between doing things for God's love and doing things from God's love. I'm going to show you because Christianity, when we're outside, we've lived our life far from God. Yo, there's sin in our life. You know that you're far. You know that you've done some dumb stuff, whether you knew him and you walked away. Like, you know you've made some mistakes. What we tend to do is that we say, well, I got to read five scriptures, you know, and I got to read, I got to listen to, you know, nothing but Christian music and turn off all the radio stations. And once I clean myself up, then I can come to God because then I'll measure up to the line and I'll be tall enough to get in there. My point is this. At what point do you ever measure up? Never. For the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. It says that there is none righteous, no, not one. All of our sin is like dirty rags. A righteousness is like dirty rags. That means that, yo, you're too small to measure the line. But how beautiful it is that Jesus set up a ruler and he said to them, he who is without sin cast the first stone. What he was doing was he was taking the same ruler and giving it to them and what he was creating in that moment was access because he was saying, you don't got to ever go up to a little red line to see if you're tall enough or if you're not tall enough. If you're holy or you're not holy, I am the line. The access to the Father comes through me. It is because of me because of my sacrifice because of who I am not how bad or how good you are but because of who I am this is going to give you access into a relationship with the father Jesus was breaking up all of this religious weirdness that sometimes as Christians we do the same thing 
y'all, y'all know it's true. You sin, you made a mistake, and then you're just like, oh, I'm gonna go to church, you know, and I'm gonna really pray this time. Like, I'm gonna close my eyes and I'm gonna sing all the songs. This time I'm gonna really focus. I'm not gonna be thinking about who answered me back on Facebook with that weird post I put about Trump or Biden. I'm just gonna close my eyes right now in Jesus' name, vax or not vax. I don't care. Don't, I'm gonna, I need to get right with God. And we start measuring and trying to stack stuff up to build this construction to God and like, yo, God, look at all I've done. And he's like, I'm not worried about what you've done. Have you seen what my son did? That's what I see. And how beautiful is it that in exchange to our sin, God sees his son when we repent, when we actually come to him and we give him our hearts. Isn't that beautiful? What an uneven exchange. (laughs) I want to show you what it looks like. The Bible says that Jesus stands back up. So one by one, these religious leaders, they all have stones and they're going to knock her head off. But they begin to throw the rocks down one at a time. From the oldest to the youngest, boom, they begin to throw it. They begin to throw it. Maybe semi-embarrassed because throwing the rock down actually admitted that you were filled with sin. So walking away, probably filled with shame, doing the worst thing, because if this is Jesus, they're breaking, they're dropping the stones and they're walking away from Jesus. That sounds like self-help. <laughs> sounds like Barnes and Noble, so many different books on self-help. Throw the rock down, but turn to Jesus. I don't care how much yoga you do. I don't care how much books you read. Yo, turn to Jesus. He's the only one that's going to help. Drops the stone and they leave. And the Bible says that Jesus stands back up in the situation. And man, what a beautiful picture. He turns to her. And he says to the woman, woman, where are your accusers? And the woman turns back around to her dismay. Yo, she's still standing there super confused. She's watching them drop the rocks. And she's like, oh, oh, this is good. Oh, this is good. And she says, where are your accusers? She says, I don't don't see no accusers. I don't. They're not here. For some of y'all, you've been carrying around what you did when you were 17. You've been carrying around what happened to you last week. And it feels like it's like these rocks and these stones that you're carrying all of this weight on you. And it's like, yo, I I know that when me and him broke up, it was because I was a mess. And now I'm going to go into this next relationship and I'm waiting for him to break up with me. Or I'm waiting for my boss to fire me. Or I'm waiting for this relationship to end. Or I'm waiting for this church to, you know, do something stupid. And we're probably going to do a lot of stupid stuff, but God bless you. But I'm, you're, you're waiting for all of it because you're carrying all this baggage and you're carrying all this past with you and you're bringing it from relationship to relationship, from season to season. When, man, I hope that you can see a picture of what this looks like. Don't drop the stones and walk away from Jesus. Bring your baggage and your junk to Jesus. He's the only one that's going to be able to help you, to heal you. Our G groups are kind of landing right now. We got about three more weeks left of our G groups. But in our G groups, what we've decided is that we've created a, sp- a safe place for us to have real conversation. Our men meet on Mondays, our women's meet on Wednesdays, our, our young adults meet on Fridays, on Tuesdays. We've been having an astronomic time here together as we've been actually like engaging and man, Kairos, uh, David and his wife have been, I mean, amazing. They've been training us, teaching. We've been growing in the gifts of the spirit and how to hear God. I mean, all of these G groups are great, but these G groups are all about you saying, I got a lot of baggage and I'm tired of putting on this mask when you ask me, how are you? Good morning. Blessed and highly favored. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, brother and sisters. You erase that. You take your mask off and you say, yo, I'm struggling right now. I feel like punching everybody in the face. But when you have real people, that's why these G groups exist so that you can have real men that are there to be able to walk with you through seasons. Man, it was right back there across that door that we had some real conversations with men who have been a part of our G group. And we've seen God do some healing in the middle of that. 
Yo, that's an example of what we need to be doing. Don't, don't take and walk around life so much with this heavy baggage. The Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 16, that if you confess your sins one to another, you shall be healed. Not that God would heal you, but that when you finally say, yo, here's the struggle that I'm dealing with and you exposed it because you think that God doesn't see it. Of course he sees it. Stop trying to hide it and don't bring it up to God. He sees it. He doesn't hate you for it. He loves you. He wants to heal that. But if you bring it out to the light, John chapter 1, verse 1, the first John 1, 1, it said, 2, 1, it says that God is a light and in him there is no darkness. So if you bring that to God and you expose it, that God will actually heal you. I mean, it's crazy. Jesus turns to the woman and he says something that absolutely blowed my mind for so long and messed with my theology. For so long and messed with the way that I even read the Bible because it didn't make sense to me what he did. Here's what happens. Jesus turns and says, he who was without sin cast the first stone. He bends down, he comes back up. He speaks to her again and all of her past is gone. That's the Jesus that we serve. That he will stand up in the middle of your situation. He will speak a word. Bring it to Jesus. When he begins to speak a word, the revealed will of God when he begins to speak the word, all of a sudden your past, your shame, your guilt, the things that were tying you down, those things are no longer chasing you. But then he takes it a step further. He turns to the woman. Where are your accusers? I don't see them. They're not here. And then he says to the, to the woman, neither do I go and sin no more. That doesn't make sense. That, I mean, that messed me up for so long. Taylor, like, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, yo, hold on one second, bro. Like, what do you mean go and sin no more? Neither do I. Like, yo, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Not only did Moses set the law, Leviticus 20.10, if a man or woman is caught in the act of adultery, they should be taken outside the camp and stoned. Not only did Moses set the law, but now in the New Testament, Jesus, you just set the law. And you said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. This woman should have died. At that very moment, she should have been stoned. She committed a sin. Yo, she was caught in the act of adultery. She's standing there probably in a linen sheet, scared, wrapped up in shame and guilt, afraid, doesn't know what's going to happen. But yo, she should have died because there was somebody there that didn't have sin and that met that requirement. Jesus should have picked up a stone and Jesus should have killed her. He set the law. He who was without sin, brother, that's you, Jesus, let them throw the first stone. Jesus, pick up a lot of rocks that all those guys dropped. Pick your sides, whichever one you want. And she is supposed to die. Because in Romans chapter 6, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. If you sin, your payment is death. But what happens is that when we look at this scripture, we have a very microscopic look at it. I mean, like we see it right here. When in reality, if we have a telescopic view of God and we're able to see the whole picture, it changes the game on us. I want to show you something. You can't kill something that's already dead. We begin to think that Jesus is looking at the act of adultery, what's done in the physical, but Jesus was looking so much deeper in that. This is what we know. Yo, all of us in this, in this church, we know this. Help me out. We're going to recite John 3.16. Y'all ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. See, we dropped off there. But the Bible says in John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Meaning you can't kill what's already dead. You can't condemn what's already condemned. We're introduced to this single word that changes the game on us in this very moment. Changes the game on us. And it's this word called grace. Why didn't Jesus break her head open and hit her with rocks? It's because of this word grace. 
She should have died, but Jesus at this moment introduces us to this concept called grace. For us to understand grace scientifically, y'all remember school that I hated? Y'all remember compare and contrast? Remember how you compare and contrast? I want to compare and contrast grace right quick as I land this plane and you get some hamburgers and some hot dogs. I want to compare and contrast this so that you understand what grace is because grace has been given this picture and has been painted with so many strokes that I believe the church either has gone so far away from it with religion that grace doesn't even exist in church. And if you didn't shape this right here that I got right here, I'm going to hell. I mean, so far away. But then the church has also strayed so far away. My pastor back home used to call it legalistic grace. That we could do whatever we want and live for the Lord. Hallelujah. We could pop it on Saturday and come to church. Hallelujah. On Sunday. Compare and contrast. Here it is. There's, there's three different things that I want to show you. Justice. Everybody say justice. Mercy. Everybody say mercy and grace everybody say grace justice mercy and grace let me explain to you so you can understand what grace is justice today our team which man i love you every single one of you that have shown up at i know some of y'all showed up at seven o'clock in the morning our worship team and the guys who were setting up there alfonso mimi so much of the team jamal sherry so much of the people at greater church where you were sitting in your bed they were out here working and putting stuff together wait till you go outside and see everything that they did out there y'all can make some noise for all of our team wait till you'll see all of the stuff that they created for our kids and how much our kids are having fun i am a little late so what happens is that as I'm late, <laughs> I begin to drive in my car and in an area which is 35 miles an hour, I'm going 75 miles an hour. It's for Jesus. Hallelujah. Jessica's for Jesus. That's a lie. <laughs> but I'm going 75 miles an hour. I'm punching it because I'm trying to get there because I don't want I don't want Lydia to yell at me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm and all of a sudden a cop comes behind me and I see it. And I'm like, oh man, so what I skirt, I pull to the side. And the cop comes around the car. And the cop's mad, frustrated. And he comes up to the window. He's like, bro, what, what are you thinking, bro? You're going 40 miles over the speed limit, bro. What's wrong with you? And he's mad and frustrated. And what do we do? Everybody, whether you know Jesus or you don't know Jesus, whether you hate Jesus or you love Jesus, what do you say? I, I was on my way to church. You're a liar. That's a lie. Best excuse ever. I'm going to church, sir. I'm sorry I was going to church. He said, bro, you're going to church, man. What's wrong with you? You're going 40 miles an hour. Justice is that he would go to the car, he would get a ticket, and he would come back with the ticket, and I would have to pay a $400 fine. I might even go to jail because I'm going 400 miles an hour. That's reckless driving. So I might even go to jail. That would be justice. I get payment for what I did. I'm driving super fast. I should get a payment for that. Mercy, on the other hand, let's rewind. Come back. I'm driving. I'm trying to get to the church. Cop comes behind me. Whoop, pulls me over. Skirt. I pull to the side. Cop comes around. Bro, what were you thinking, bro? What's wrong with you? Ah, oh, sir, I was going to church. Bro, that's the dumbest excuse that I've heard. You going to church. You're supposed to be a Christian. You're supposed to go under the speed limit. Don't you love that? Like, people put expectations on us. Christians. It's like, you're playing basketball. You get a foul. Foul! What the heck? You, you a Christian. You ain't supposed to yell. Yelled, so I lost my freaking salvation because I just yelled because they have so much expectation. Because when all hell breaks loose in their life, they need somebody who's genuine and real, that's why they're holding you up to that expectation. But that's another little you put that in your pocket for later. So I pull up, and the cop is like, Bro, you dumb, <laughs> like you dumb, dumb. And I say, Man, I'm sorry, I didn't I even know I was going, I'm sorry. And the cop says to me, I don't know why, 
But man, I'm going to let you slide with a warning. Bro, next time, pay attention. Go over there so your wife doesn't give you papao. Go, you're fine. <laughs> and I get in my car and I leave. That is called mercy. It's called mercy. Here's grace. Same situation. I'm driving in my car. Skirt, pulled over. Cop comes to the window. Bro, what are you? Dog, you dumb, dumb. Like, not only are you dumb, but you're endangering the lives of so many individuals. What if you hit somebody? What if a kid runs out into the street? At this point, I'm crying. Oh, salvation, pray for me, officer. Like, and then the officer says something to me. He says, this can't go without punishment. There needs to be punishment for this. And unfortunately, not only is there a fine, but there needs to be jail time that is served by this. Yo, you just broke the law. That was illegal. You were 40 miles over the speed limit. Some of my officers, well, Carlos, I know you're watching online. Chris, I love you. That's 40 miles over the speed limit, bro. You're going to jail. And could you imagine that as I'm driving, I'm, the, the officer pulls me over. He has this conversation. And then he says, I want you to get behind me and I want you to follow me. And we're going to the precinct. We got to go to the jail. And as I'm driving behind the police officer, I'm like, dang, my wife going to be mad at me. Nobody's preaching on Sunday. Somebody going to have to figure it out. Jason, that's on you. You got this. Somebody going to figure it out. And I'm driving behind the cop like, yo, this is super weird. Like, I'm supposed to be in the back of the cop car. Bro got me following him. Okay. It's different. I got it. We pull up to the jail. When we pull up to the jail, both of us park. And then he says, I need you to come inside. And when he comes inside, he goes to the booking side. And when he goes to the booking side, he begins to say, this individual, let me get your ID. This individual has committed this crime. He was 40 miles over the speed limit. It's a fine and it's jail time. All of this stuff and writes down all of the information. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, dang, this is, this sucks. I'm going to jail about driving fast because I'm on my way to church. And all of a sudden, while he's filling out this information, once it's completed and it's done, they gather around him they put handcuffs on him and he goes into jail not only does he go to jail but he pays the fine and then the clerk looks at me and says hey man you're free to go just slow down could you imagine you standing there like wait that doesn't even make sense neither does the grace of God because me and you we should suffer the consequences of sin and for so many of us, man, we think that God is all about making bad people good. Like we have this, 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 this definition of, of the Bible that it's like I, God wants me to be, I'm a bad person. And when I get saved, I'm going to become a good person. No, the Bible says that he who knew no sin, 1 Corinthians, he who knew no sin became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God. In your most broken and hurting moment, it was in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, it says that while we were yet sinner, Christ died for the ungodly. He took everything that was wrong about us and he put it up on this cross. And everything that was good about him, he puts it on us. I mean, it's an uneven exchange that he would go and that he would die when I was supposed to die. Isn't that what we say in church all the time? That Jesus died for our sins? It's incomplete. I don't think that's the full gospel. I don't think that's the whole truth. Jesus didn't die for you. Dang, Gino, what you talking about? This is heretic. I knew it. Are you going to ask me for money now? Jesus didn't die for you. Jesus died as you. You should have been on that cross. He didn't sin. You sinned. You should have been the one in jail. But we're introduced to grace. And grace in exchange for your sin is a beautiful thing. How does this happen? It's simple. In just a few months, 
not Christmas because that's the birth of Jesus, but in April, we're going to celebrate the Easter season. And all over the place, they're going to have plays and you're going to see them and you've already seen them. You've seen the passion of the Christ. You've seen this picture or this depiction of Jesus and he's on the cross. And when he's on the cross, when you look at the cross, when you look at his feet, it's pierced and there's blood flowing through his feet. And it's crazy because the very same feet that walked from town to town, they had scratches, cuts, bruises. This, these feet went to so many different places. The Bible says how beautiful are the feet of those that go to share the good news. That this Jesus with those feet walked from town to town sharing the good news, encouraging, healing the sick, casting out the demons, demonstrating the kingdom. These feet walked. There was no cars, y'all. There was no Ubers and Lyfts. He was foot in that junk. But yet these feet are pierced. You, you look at the cross and you see this Jesus hanging there and there's a, there's a crown of thorns and they're making fun of him. The Bible says that his face was marred beyond recognition. You couldn't even recognize him, how swollen, how beat up he was, how many punches he received, how messed up his face must have been. And then he had a crown of thorns mocking him, not understanding that that king is the one that held the victory. The one that would actually in three days take the keys from death, hell, and the grave. That that king that you're looking up there and that you're making fun of, he's the one that's going to rescue you from not just dying physically, but dying spiritually, which is a lot longer. But then I can't help when I look at Jesus and I see this picture of his messed up feet and his face marred beyond recognition. His back is ripped open. The more that he's trying to breathe, he's scratching himself on the pole with the whips that were on his back. The more that I look at his body, I can't help but look to the left and to the right of Jesus. And as he's spread wide open and he's sitting there barely hanging on by a thread, I look at his nail pierced hands and it's in that moment that it hits me. How did I receive grace? It was because before I was ever caught red handed, Jesus was already red handed because every drop of blood that came out of him was for the redemption and for the forgiveness of your sins that every single drop of Jesus was given so that your body can be healed so that you can have a restored life so that your family can be put back together so that every broken area of your life can be mended Jesus was already red-handed it was through his blood that he brought our redemption grace is not free you receive it for free but it costs. It costs the Father his Son. It costs Jesus his life. But isn't it beautiful that he offers it to you? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms at mygreater.church.